0: hello everybody welcome once again as we continue on in our study through the new testament we've been working through the new testament for a long time now uh, 190 some odd meetings and we're we're making great progress but we still got quite a ways to go i was just talking about with douglas we we still have after we got second timothy we got titus we got first and second peter james first second and third john and then the book of revelation and hebrews hebrews are before those so um Quite a bit of ground to cover, but um, we've covered a lot already. There's a lot of stuff, obviously, in the in the New Testament, and, and a lot of things for us to go through. We've been working through them this way on purpose, in order to help us hold the um, Bible in context, and that's something that's very important as you throughout your lives study and read the Bible, that you always have a, a an idea of the context of what you're reading. You know, and and um, the letters that we're in now that Paul wrote, just remember as we read them that, that these um, churches were churches that he started on his missionary journeys most for the most part. And um, the church is a brand new thing, so they're not exactly sure what they're supposed to do all the time. And they have questions for Paul, and they send Paul these questions either by messenger or by letter. And Paul answers those questions, um, and that's how most of these letters came about. Some were different, some had different sort of focus, but that's usually what's going on. So the letters were written for a specific situation to a specific group in addressing something. Now, because they were written under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, they still apply to us today, but they apply in that context of understanding. And so we have to make sure that we're holding them in the context of how they were written as we read them. And, and because you, otherwise the, the meanings can be drastically changed from what was intended. And so that's something that we're always having to press into and deal with. That's, that's always been something that the church is called to. And, and um, you're, you're supposed to dig deep into the scriptures and look for um, context and and ask the Spirit of God to help you understand it and what that looks like in the process. So we have um, worked through plenty. Now we're in the first letter to Timothy. We're actually in the last chapter. First um, Timothy, Second Timothy, and and Titus. Were um, written as um, uh, the the sort of the theme about them was uh, t- talking to uh, Timothy and Titus who were overseeing churches that Paul had started now, and Paul's writing to them, um, and and we've got Timothy here in Ephesus dealing with things, and Paul is telling them about the things that he needs to teach the people in the church in Ephesus, and it's. Um, it's not just biblical truth that he's communicating. It's, it's all about the life in Christ. That's what they were called to, and we're still called to that. The, the church is called not just to, um, you know, just teach you the biblical truth of things, but to then apply it for you and help you apply it in your day-to-day lives. That's what we're supposed to do. It's, it's, it's more than just passing on of knowledge it's a passing on of the Christian life and that's what's been happening in the church from generation to generation to generation and what all we'll do you know all the generations here will continue to do those things we we continue to live this life and pass it on to the following generations and so that's what's taking place in uh, 1st and 2nd Timothy and, and the book of Titus and you know we're as a church we're called to Experience. We talk about this, the, the full and abundant life that we can have in Christ. And, and yet one of, the, one of the sort of challenges that we have is to maintain the, the vitality of that life um, in, in the church, which is uh, in, on one hand a family and at the same time is, a, is a, like an institution. And so it's a balance that we need to be very much aware of in this process. And so Paul is teaching about how to handle those things and uh, so there's a lot of neat stuff in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. All right, let's dig into 1 Timothy. We're going to read it, and then we'll, we'll talk on the, highlight the points and go from there. 21 verses, 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. All who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect, so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. Those who have believing masters are not to show less respect for them because they are brothers. Instead, they're to serve them even better because those who benefit from their service are believers and dear to them. These are the things you are to teach and urge on them. If anyone teaches false doctrines and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, he is conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs but you men of God flee from all this and pursue righteousness godliness faith love endurance and gentleness fight the good fight of the faith take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and and when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses in the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Amen. turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge which some have professed and in so doing have wandered from the faith grace be with you blessed be the word of the Lord all right so um, a lot of little things in there 1st Timothy 6 the first two verses um, Paul is, is talking about um, relationships in the, in the community of believers, and he, he starts a conversation about slaves and masters, and slaves and masters who were believers needed to have respect for one another. Now, um, when, when we read those things, let me say that, that the, the concept of slavery as we understand it is absolutely horrific. It's the entrapment and enslavement of a people by another group of people it's demeaning it's demonic and unfortunately it still exists in in many places in the world today one one huge example would be um, the um, amount of people that are enslaved into the sex trade all over the world um, uh, who, who are there for the sick and perverse needs of people who are willing to exploit them and so um, Um, slavery as we understand it is absolutely and completely horrific Um, now then some people say well you know why is Paul talking about this in the Bible as here's what you need to do in that situation it's it's a different situation at the time that the book's being written Um, in that context it it wasn't so much one people um, uh, enslaving another group of people Um, it was um, it was often people sort of almost signed up for it as a way to pay debts, as a a season in their lives um, to to make progress. They were to be provided for and given food and shelter. Um, It had a different sort of feel to it than what we know as uh, uh, in, you know slavery which there's no options in um, so it, it was different in its, in its standard it still wasn't great and there was many abuses but it's different than what we know because sometimes people say well how can I even how come they're not just saying it's all terrible and evil um, it was part of the culture at that time but it was different than what we experience now for the most part um, and so you, you sort of have to hold that in context and as you read those verses um, really now we sort of, um, what we want to do is, is think about how it's, it's, uh, uh, it's more applicable that, in that context to like an employee and an employer. Um, uh, that's that's really what we should be looking at for our understanding uh, of that scripture. So, you know, in that, in that sort of concept, what it's talking about then is that employees should work hard, showing respect to their employers, and in turn, employers should be fair and do the right thing With their employees and and as people who work our our work should always reflect our our faithfulness to and our love for christ i mean we're to we're to do everything that we do as though we were doing it for the lord because you are Um, in effect everything that you do you do for him and so this should be our attitude that we approach when we work unfortunately um that's not everybody's attitude at work in our culture um a, a lot of times um people want to do the least amount they can and still get away with, and they're looking for how they can get away with those, those things, and that becomes more work to them than anything. And, they, and we justify those by thinking that, you know, the people we work for don't really care, and they, they don't take good care of us, and so that makes it right, and we we'll have to look out for ourselves. The best thing I've found always is to just do everything like you were doing it for Jesus, and then don't worry about it, and then he takes care of the rest. Um, and I'm not saying, put yourself in abusive situations ever. I'm just saying that, that um, we, we, the way that we're different from the culture is that we, we don't slip into the same patterns that they slip into. And so, so this is sort of the, the idea that we get from those couple of verses in the process. And then we move into verses 3 through 5. And uh, I, I, I summarize this in, in one sentence, which, which I like. Paul warns Timothy to stay away from people who just want to argue. Isn't that great? You ever met somebody that just wants to argue over everything? Just no matter what, there's an argument. And, you, and, and so he just said, just stay away from people like that because it's just a big waste of time, in the kingdom in particular. And uh, it's a trap. I've, had, I've, I've known people, um, and I always remember this one time as a, as a real new believer. I got into this thing with somebody who was a believer, and um, we, we started having a discussion and I was fairly new, but I was fairly confident in what I was talking about, and didn't agree with the other person's point of view, and our discussion quickly built into a like a shouting match, and uh, it wasn't pleasant. And then my my wife actually walked in, and she 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 looked at me, and she said, I, I, "You guys are arguing over God stuff, really?" And because uh, it was all fairly new to us, and I'll never forget that. And now it's kind of like um, it's. Uh, uh, the argument's just, uh, f- unless there's a, some sort of movement in it, then it's a waste of time. And, and so you kind of have to know who you're talking to. I, you know, I'm happy to try and explain where I come from and listen to where people are coming from, but not to just keep, not, not, not for argument's sake. Um, that's just, that becomes a waste of time. And so be careful with those things. Be kind, but, but be careful. And uh, that's what Paul is saying there. So... Um, you will meet people like that in your life. Sometimes they just knock on your door, shockingly enough. It happens. Just be kind, offer them a bottle of water, say no thank you. First Timothy 6.6, 6, this is a pivotal verse, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Gain. Now, this concept, extremely important in our spiritual growth and, our, and in our ability to enjoy the full and abundant life that we have in Jesus. Um, we should make God our focus and, and then learn to be content with what he's doing in our lives. So we've got to get our eyes on Jesus and then learn to be content with where we're at. Um, Matthew 6 33 seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well so begin him first and then he starts taking care of the rest Philippians 4 11 through 13 I'm not saying this because I'm in need for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances I know what it is to be in need I know what it is to have plenty I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Um, this idea of godliness with contentment being great gain is, is just that. Um, it's, it's understanding that what we found in Christ is, is the best thing that we're ever going to find. So we've got, if we are fortunate enough to have moved into that experience, then then we're way ahead of the game. Everything else just sort of comes along with it. Um, but so many people get stuck here and rather than, than being able to be content, and really the, the best way to be content, as I understand it, is to be thankful for what God has done and for what God is doing right now and not be consumed by what isn't going the way you want it to be. I mean, so you've got to be thankful. Otherwise, what happens is you get stuck in this thinking. This is what brings discontentment. It's when and then thinking. And it says this, well, when this happens, then I'll be content. When this happens, then I'll be content. And you can fill in the blanks for those things. And the problem is, if that's your thinking, you will never be content because you'll just keep changing the when and then. Because you'll have when and then, and then the then will happen and you still won't be content. So you go, well, that wasn't it. So when and then, and then you spend your life being discontent instead of enjoying the things that God's actually doing. And it's a trap. It's one of those traps I've been talking about. It's a life stealing trap by the adversary it's one of the ones he likes to use as well I'll just he'll just always keep making you think like it's just just outside your reach and then when you get there you're gonna and contentment is available now in Christ that's all I know it's available right now and and that's where we're supposed to live if you don't you don't end you what is you just don't live you're waiting for something to live live today be content it's it's it is what it is it's a, sometimes it's really bad and that's the way it is but there's always something, and I, I know you've heard me say this, there's always something to be thankful for. Always, 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 always something. And, and uh, sometimes it, you have to kind of think about it a little harder than others, but there's always something. And so get your focus back on that. That's why I tell you every day, be thankful for five things. Start your focus there, everything else will work out. All right, but you want to be careful not to let the enemy steal your life because of that when and then thinking, because it just never happens. It just never will, you'll never get there verses 7 through 10 and these are fascinating verses about money um and and here's the thing that that overwhelmingly people still believe even though every evidence is to the contrary most people still believe that money brings happiness it's still a it's ingrained in almost everybody that that's the secret that's the answer that's what it's going to take and uh and, and it's, it's a life-stealing lie as well from the evil one. Again, one of his favorites. Because um, then, then we end up stuck in the pursuit of money, which doesn't bring life. And Paul gives some neat things about that. Verse 7, he says, one of the things we need to do to stop listening to that is realize that one day all the riches will be gone. One day, it doesn't, you, can't, you didn't bring it in with you, and you can't take it out with you either. And so one day, it'll be gone. Um, verse 8, be content with what you have just talked about that be thankful for what you have not consumed by what you don't have verse 9 be aware and this is very interesting of what lengths you will go to to get more money this is a big tip off what lengths will you go to in the pursuit of money that that would i mean just kind of take you completely off track from experiencing life and and we have to be so aware of this stuff because it it's 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 uh, seductive Because we have this thinking, well, if it was just, if it was more money, he's going to fix it. Now, I'm saying those things, I get that we need, to survive in this world, we need money, we need a measure of it, but it just can't, it can't be the source of our hope, and that's what it becomes for too many people, the source of their hope, and God is always going to be the source of your hope. He's your provider, he's the one who takes care of your needs, he knows everything you need, and he's already promised to meet your needs. You know, we have we have a situation in our culture in particular with wants. There's, it's okay to want stuff, but you, you can't get so stuck in them that you you miss life. And again, that's the trick in the trap. That I, I'm not going to be happy until I have all these things, and I'll just do whatever it takes to acquire all these things, and then you acquire those things with lots of hard work and sacrificing everything that was really important to get those things, and then you get those things and you realize, uh-oh, not what I thought. So verse 11 says... Make sure you love people more than money don't sacrifice your relationships for money because you you can't you, money's one of those things you, you almost always you know unless the bottom completely falls out you can figure out how to make some money, but you can 't get time back time is a you get Time is way more valuable than money, right? Because you can't get time. Once you give that time away, it's gone. You can't get that time back. And you've got a, you've got a certain amount of time here. We have eternity, so, so we have that you know, concept. But here, in this period of our lives, you have so much time, and there's a cap on it. And that's all there is. So time is extremely precious. So when you give time away to something that really isn't important, that's not the best use of your time. So, so make sure you're not sacrificing what is important for what's not important because all this stuff's a little out of whack. Verse 18, be willing to share what you have, and that way you don't get consumed by money even if you have it. It doesn't, doesn't become the source of your hope. There's a proverb for that. You're going to hear me. I'm talking about the Proverbs this week on Sunday. And uh, I love the Proverbs. I love the Psalms. You heard that last week. I love the Proverbs too. And there's a proverb for everything. Uh, and I love that about the Proverbs. There's a proverb for everything. Proverbs 37, 30, verse 7 through 9. Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me, those life-stealing lies of the enemy. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say who is the Lord, or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. You know, that's a proverb about being content. Lord, I just need need enough to, to live life that you've called me to. And, and that's all I'm really looking for. Then he goes on in verses 11 through 16. And he uses some great verbs, Paul does, to describe what the Christian life is like. He uses words like this. Run, pursue, fight, hold tightly. And see, as believers, we're to have an active faith. And this active faith requires us to train, to sacrifice, to work hard, and to live by doing the next right thing. Um, being a disciple actually does require a certain amount of discipline, spiritual discipline. And so this is to be a part of our lives. And, and so we're to have an active faith. Sometimes we sort of get lulled into this thing, we're just going to sit around and, and um, you know sort of wait for God to do something. Um, but, but really we're to have an active faith um, and, and at least be pressing into him in prayer at the very least. And then, then there's a balance. I was, I'm just thinking of a story where... Uh, 1995, I went to Cuba for the very first time in my life and uh, it was me and a f- two or three other guys and one this one man who I would consider my mentor, his name's Bob Fulton. Um, so we went to Cuba and we flew in late at night and it was a very, very weird experience and there was a lot of people with guns and, and everything and we, we flew in and landed and went to the hotel, didn't see much of that night and uh, in the morning we got up. and um this this guy bob was with me who he was the international leader of the vineyard at the time and so i assumed that he would have a plan for us uh, when we got there about what we were going to do because he was on the trip so i didn't worry too much about planning anything and i sort of like to have a plan you know and if this is what we're going to do uh, and uh, and and so you know just kind of and so I, I i didn't have a you know Bob's here, he's going to have a plan. We'll get up in the morning, we'll do his plan. So we get up in the morning and we we eat breakfast and we kind of look, okay, you know, what's the plan? Because most of the guys that were on the trip were kind of like me, sort of type A, let's go do something. And um, um, and Bob said, I don't have one. What do you mean you don't have a plan? You're the international director of the vineyard. Yeah, he said, this is what I was thinking. I think, uh, you see that that, uh, area over there in the foyer with that couch? Yeah, let's all go sit over there and pray and we'll just see what God has for us. Honestly, that's what he said. I almost lost my mind. I said, what do you mean? Like, we're not, we're, no, I don't really have anything. And so, so but, but let me tell you, because prayer is very active. So it wasn't like we were just sitting around not doing anything. We, we started really praying. And um, if you haven't heard this story, you'll like this. Um, and if you've heard it, I'm sorry. You're going to hear it again. Um, then you'll like it again. Darn it. So we went, and one thing that Bob said was, well, listen, a few years ago I had a man come um, into California who was from Cuba, and uh, he said if I ever came here, he, 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 you know, he would like to meet up with us. Okay, great, what's his name? His name was Luis. Good. What's the rest of his name? I don't remember the rest of his name. <laughs> Seriously? So, so your hope is for us to have flown all this way to somehow, you know, miraculously and magically meet up with a guy named Luis. They're all named Luis, by the way. Um <laughs> Uh, at some level, because they have long names, and I mean that's but it's everywhere. It's a very common name, and and that's and, and he goes, yeah, that's kind of my thought. It's okay. So we started to pray, and and uh, we prayed pretty intently for about an hour, and and just uh, so things started to happen. Uh, you know, so if somebody made a phone call, and, and we, we there was somebody else that we thought we might go see, and uh, and then we didn't know how to get there, and, and seriously, we we started having these. Um, these encounters that happened throughout this day where we were looking for this one guy, not Luis yet. He was in the back of our minds, but we had no idea how it was going to happen. We were looking for this one guy, but nobody knew where he was, and um, they didn't know how to tell us where he lived, um, and they gave us a vague idea about some street that he might live on, and, and there were no maps, and there's no road signs at this point in time. So, okay, well, let's just drive. That's what we did. And so we were driving, and literally we were saying... And we would take turns. I think you should turn left here. I really feel like you need to go down here a few blocks. And we did that through the city. And we pulled up at a house. Not the guy's house we were looking for. But here's the weird thing. The guy we were looking for was in that house. It wasn't his house. He'd just been released from a hospital down the street like 10 minutes before. And he'd walked to that house. I'm serious. He had just gotten there before we did. So, so that happened. So you, that's pretty weird, right? You think, well, that's weird. Well, Anyway another series of invitations happens and we end up going to this church that night. Out in the middle of nowhere, can't remember why we went to this, but we, okay, let's go to this church. We went to this church and we're, we come into this church and, and uh, the Cuban churches are cool. They're, they're, they're hot and, and they're, they have very loud music and, and uh, when you're a guest, it's something like that, they bring you right up to the front and so they brought us up to the front and they sat us in front of the horn section. <laughs> So it was, like, hot and really, really loud, you know. and, and But, you know, the, the Spirit of God was there. Halfway through that service, guess who walks in the back door? Luis. 12 million people in Cuba, whatever. And the one person we needed to see happened to walk into that church. It wasn't his church. Halfway through the service in the, in the middle of the night uh, in who knows where. Um, so I, I tell you those things just to say that... that um, uh, God is extremely active uh, as we pursue him and that he's, he's very much answers prayer and that those kind of things happen all the time. Those are pretty, pretty big ones, but those sort of things are going on all the time. But we need to be active in our faith. We need to, um, we need to be listening for him and then moving in the directions that he calls us. Verses 17 through 19 Um, The church in Ephesus had a lot of wealthy believers, so Paul's instructing them to teach them that that, um, having riches isn't a bad thing, but it does carry responsibility. It's a great thing. If you heard me say it wasn't a good thing, I didn't mean to say any of that. Money's fine as long as you don't serve it. As long as money serves you, you're in good shape. The moment you start serving your money, you've got some issues. Um, So you know, if you've been blessed with wealth, be thankful and don't be proud, don't trust in your money, use your money to do good, enjoy it all those good things, be rich in good works and generous, ready to share. And uh, know that you know, God is still in charge of all those things. That's what Paul's saying to Timothy to talk to the believers with, with uh, plenty of money. Then he ends the letter by saying um, that they need to deal lovingly uh, and fairly with everyone in the church, which should always be how it happens. And that um, you know, the most important thing in the life of the church uh, is, is, is knowing God and, uh, and then living out our lives for him and his kingdom, and that's kind of much how he ends that letter. So that ends First Timothy 6, and uh, we will start Second Timothy next week, and we'll pick it up from there. If you're watching on television by video, thank you very much for spending your time with us. We know how valuable your time is, and we appreciate you tuning in. Come visit us on Big Pine the next time that you can. If you need prayer, go to our website at keysvineyard.com, find the prayer page, and uh, uh, shoot us a prayer request, and we'll pray for you, or you can call us, and we'll pray for you that way as well.